This episode of The Bryantland Show is brought to you by OnX Hunt. From Stone Mountain, Georgia, this is The Bryantland Show. Hosted by Proud Gamecock and South Carolinian AB3. All right, everybody, welcome to the Bryant Land Show. Thank you for taking the time to make the download wherever you are. Hope you are well. Hope things are going in your favor. We have a great show today. We got a great guest, Mr. Kendall Strickland. From Strickland Heritage Farms. He's going to be my guest today. But before I jump into that and tell you more about Kendall, you probably heard at the beginning of the podcast, we had a sponsor read for our friends at Onyx Hunt. Yes, they are sponsoring the podcast. We are happy to be partnering, partnering, excuse me, partnering, working with the good folks over at Onyx Hunt. We encourage you to go and check them out. Like I said, they are sponsoring the podcast. And basically what Onyx Hunt is, it's a mapping technology. Helps you when you're out in the field to be able to mark your stands, mark your trail cameras where you have any kind of deer sign, turkey sign, any kind of animal sign. Uh, You can use it to mark your mineral sites and your feeders. I personally use it to mark the trees that I plan on climbing uh, coming up for this deer season. So it's a great app. It has property lines so you know where you are in a given area so you don't trespass, you don't cross property lines. I'm also using it to map out areas for food plots and for the footprint of my house eventually. So Onyx Hunt is a great app. I encourage you to go check it out, Onyx Hunt. You will enjoy it, and I am very grateful that they have decided to sponsor the Bryantland Show. So uh, lots of good things coming from us working with them, and I'm looking forward to the partnership. So uh, like I said, you guys go and check them out. Kendall Strickland is the guest this week. Uh, Mr. Uh, Kenny from the block, if you will, on Instagram, a Chi-Town, Illinois transplant that has come down here to Georgia and set up shop as a farmer. Uh, He has his own farm out here in Georgia, and Kenny was somebody that I wanted to talk to uh, just because with him coming from Chicago and then using his education at Florida A&M to build a farm and decide that he wanted to take a step back from corporate America and establish his own farm. Very interesting conversation that I had with Kendall. So 
with no further ado, I'm going to fall back. You guys kick back and listen to my conversation with Kenny from the block, Mr. Kendall Strickland on the Bryantland Show. Bryantland. All right. When I look at your bio, it says farmer, hunter, fisherman, marksman. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's it in a nutshell. Mr. Strickland, Kenny Strickland, thank you for taking the time to come through on the Bryantland show, man. Now, with those four things, which one are you best at? I'd say "Mm, that's a tough one. What? Which one you hang your hat on? If they say I got somebody say you got to pick one that you know is a is a is a for show. Cause all four of them are impressive now. I mean, that's basically a throwback to to our ancestors and whatnot back in the day. Yeah. But if you had to hang your hat on one, I'd probably go with fishing. It's hard between fishing and farming because farming is. I mean, I'm all into that. I mean, I'm a farmer. I, you know, that's agriculture is pretty much my whole life. But I will say, as you know. If I compare it as far as how long I've actually been on the grindstone doing it, I've been fishing since I was like seven. Wow. And so that's, it, it just comes so natural to me. And I'm, uh, when it comes to fishing, I was just thinking about this, this weekend, actually, like, you know, I'm kind of all or nothing. Like if I, when I go, like, I'm going to do it all the way. Cause that's that's the only way I like to do it. I, even if I don't catch anything, uh-huh. <laughs> or don't just don't have a great day, you know, with it, because that's that's how fish it is. I still like to feel like you know I put my all into that morning, into that evening, whatever time, wherever it was at. If it was a farm pond, if it was on the river, I'm like very serious about getting there and getting into it. So I. I'll hang my hat up on fishing. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yes, now, mm-hmm. you, you know, we've been talking for almost 30 minutes before we actually hit record, and, and I definitely enjoyed that conversation. But there were a couple of things that, you know, I found in doing just, you know, a little bit of homework. And so when you call me, you know, you we talked a little bit and you Illinois uh born and raised, right? Yes, sir. Where at in Illinois? I'm from a suburb outside of Chicago, uh called Flossmore, Illinois, believe it or not. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yes, Illinois uh, Illinois has definitely been good to me when I lived uh in Milwaukee. I would drive okay. down and goose hunt um in Illinois, oh. like right Right over the border. Course, well, you know I, the town's name. Oh God! Rockford, Marengo. Uh, no, it wasn't that far. It wasn't that far down Rockford. It was. Oh God! I bet you, if I looked at my pictures, I could probably, because there was a, uh, there was one. They always had a water tower, and we hunted in the field. Yeah. Right there, there was a cornfield. We goose hunt right there in the cornfield by that water Love's tower. Park. Which what? Say it one more time. 
Love's Park. That sounds familiar. Love's Park, and then there was another one. It's gonna it's gonna bother me, but I'm gonna have to. Yeah. I'm gonna have we'll, to check we'll it, out. it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out because it's gonna <laughs> it is definitely gonna bother me now until I figure it out. But mm-hmm. my my point that I wanted to get to Illinois, and then FAMU graduate, right? Yes, sir. Agriculture and Mechanical, Florida Agriculture and Mechanical University, Tallahassee, Florida. That's right. <laughs> now, full-time farmer. Yeah. How did that transit, like, how do you make that transition? Did you grow up farming in Illinois? Was it something that you figured out when you got the fam? Like, what? How? take me through that. I'll take you through it, man. Uh See, I I grew up around my grandparents, who of course were from the old South, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi. Uh, so of course they grew up in agriculture. They grew up at a time in agriculture when it was exceptionally hard to us as a people. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you know those traditions, uh, those methods. Those types of things, you know, they, they still carry on through the years. And uh, it was passed down to me. Uh, just being a little kid, I grew up around a lot of agriculture. My grandparents always had me out in the country. We were always out, you know, picking some apples or, you know, hanging out at our uh, little fishing cabin we had up in Michigan. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, you know. But just a little little house on the river, just always out in the country, always on the field doing something. So I don't think they knew it at the time, but it was an interest that stuck with me. And, uh, you know, as a kid, you know, I started saying, you know, I want to grow up and be a farmer. Want to grow up and be a cowboy. <laughs> and people just kind of laugh. And then my grandma, she said, well, if uh, if, if you just go and grow up and be a farmer, you might as well uh, go ahead and drop out of school. Oh, wow. Uh, because, you know, uh, you, don't, you don't want that life. Trust me. I, you know, she was picking cotton from when she was probably five or six years old. So it, it Agriculture, even though she, of course, loved, had an appreciation for it, mm-hmm. just the idea of, you know, farming, like that being the goal. Right. It was kind of like, you know, okay, Kendall. But, you know, I was a kid. But I got into middle school. You know, they give you those assessments to figure out what it is you probably are going to want to do in life as far as career wise. Every time it come up, agriculture and forestry, agriculture, forestry, farming, uh, fisheries, all that type of stuff. It would come up every time. And so I got into high school and I realized, and that's when I also started hunting. Mm, Okay. Okay. I I started hunting when I was, I think, 17, 16 or 17. I think it was 17. And was that with your grandparents, with your granddad, or with my granddad? Yes, okay. I was fishing. Like I said, since I was seven, with my grandma, and I started fishing with my granddad when I was probably around eleven. That's that is so amazing to me because it was it was my great great aunt 
that I used to fish with. Um, I didn't really start hunting till I became till I got older. Um, basically, hunting as an adult. Um, but you know, it's just amazing, like to hear so many stories about you know learning how to fish with you know like a, a grandmother or like a great aunt or a great great aunt or you know mm-hmm. basically you know any of the women in your family like learning how to fish you know like i i had a young lady on um about a month ago and she loves to fish and she was talking about how you know she taught all her children how to fish it's just it's remarkable to me and then to take a, a another two steps back when you were talking about farming when I was a kid, and I've told this story before, I wanted to be a farmer. Like, I had, like, the Ertl tractor. Uh, <laughs> combine was, like, my favorite piece of machinery. There We lived in the country, surrounded by soybean fields. The guy would stop, give us rides on the, uh, on the combine when he was cutting the soybean field and whatnot. But the same thing happened to me that happened to you. It was just like, nope. That's not the life you want. You don't want to be a farmer. Get far away from that. Go to school. Whatever is just like a big old no, no, no. Stay away from it. But unlike me, you went ahead and pursued it and obviously doing very well at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, I think, uh, and I, I mean, I picked up on this too when I was in college at FAMU. A lot of people who grew up, and mind you, there's some people who, there's a few people who, you know, grew up in farming and they said, you know, they're going to farm the rest of their lives. They're mm-hmm. going to pick up the mantle and they're going to keep on at it. They're going to keep doing it. But there's a lot of folks who I, I've known personally who, you know, they grew up with that. It was a hard, I mean, it was a good life, but it was, you know, hard work, long hours in the sun. You know, some a lot of times doing stuff that you didn't necessarily want to do, but you had to do because you were a farm kid. Mm-hmm. And after they got off the farm, I even some of them even decided to go work in agriculture, but they did not want to go back and farm. And and they will be real quick to advise you against it. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be real quick to say, well, "Why you won't do that? Right. What now? What you won't do that for?" Right, right. But that's just something. I just, I've always had a love for the land. And so when I got to hunting and I was 17, and then, like I told you, I had to start hunting mainly on public land. I mean, I got the desire for my own, my own land, like to, to farm and to hunt, possibly to fish someday on. That's, I mean, that's what I wanted to have. That's, that was a gold mine for me. Man. And, and when I was 16, mm-hmm. I think, uh, what were we doing? We were, I think we had just been fishing that morning. And this is in Kankakee County, Illinois, about 70 miles south of Chicago. Okay. We were driving and we saw a sign that said this, uh, the Pembroke Rodeo. Uh, area called Pembroke Township, Illinois. And it's one of the few rural black areas in the state. And we just, me and my grandparents, we just decided to follow the signs. And we went for miles and miles down a, a gravel road. 
And eventually we came across that rodeo. We came across all the black folks out there, you know, having a good time, enjoying themselves. And we also passed the farm and it was a sign said feeder pigs for sale. Mm. Took down the number. I, I can't remember exactly when, but I eventually got in contact with the guy. At the time, he was in his late 60s. He was a black farmer. He was a good friend of mine mm-hmm. as a teenager. Um, and he really inspired me to keep on, keep on working in agriculture, keep on farming. Because uh, I, I, I worked for USDA, and at the time, I, you know, was getting to know him. I, um, like when I was going into college, I was interned for USDA. Okay. Um, and he could, he told me that, you know, keep at it. I, I can still remember his words, you know, start off small and just expand from there. He's, he's now deceased. He was actually murdered like seven years ago. Oh my God. Yeah. He was murdered right there on his farm. And he was, I think he was 70 years old when that happened. And uh, he was just a single, single older guy. You know, he knew me. But, you know, I come there, hunt whenever I want. For whatever I want, I could target shoot on his property. He didn't care. He was just the coolest, the coolest older gentleman. And he just, he, he passed down a lot of gems to me in the short period of time that I knew him. He used to go down there, um, slaughter some hogs, buy a hog, slaughter it, have some fresh pork at home. Um, just some really fond memories there. And so that's when I was really like, okay, I I need my corner piece of earth just like this guy. Mm. This guy. Mm-hmm. And, and that's eventually I, I set out to do that. And I like I said, when the college studied agribusiness at FAMU, um, got my degree, got my bachelor's back in 2015, and then went on to work for USDA, which I work for now full time. Um, and so, yeah, and uh, I thought that uh, I was probably not going to buy my own land until uh, probably late 20s maybe early 30s. I didn't want to wait that long, but I just figured, okay, my career is probably going to take me to a few different cities, a few different places. Right. So I'll just hold off. But there was a shift in my mind when it came to my career, when it came to what I wanted to do for a living, when it came to building wealth, when it came to the things that I really knew that I was truly passionate about, I really wanted to do. And I was like, you know, I've always wanted to farm and I've always wanted to have my own agribusiness. And so my career didn't move around like I thought it would. Mm -hmm. And eventually I came to a crossroad and I was like, you know, am I going to keep on applying for these jobs in other places and, you know, dealing with the whole interview process and then possible rejection and all that stuff. Or am I going to settle right here? Because Georgia is a very good place for a beginning farmer. We have a very good 
marketing system here when it comes to, you know, locally produced, you know, uh, commodities. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Georgia's a very great state for that. I said, well, I won't do that. I want my own land. At the time, you know, I really wasn't hunting much because all my hunting spots were in Illinois. And down here, as I'm sure you may have found as well, you know, when it comes to private land, everybody just don't let you hunt on private land like that here. No. <laughs> it's very people people show you the pictures of the buck right and, but when you go to ask uh you know can i come out with you sometimes it's crickets yeah it, it, yeah it. <laughs> yeah and, it, and and you know i don't know i'm still on the fence about that because you know in the spirit of good hunting and being a good outdoorsman you know it's always you know paying it forward and yeah and, and stuff like that so i'm kind of on the fence about it because it is it's real easy when you have your own you know people be quick to label you as selfish but it's to me it's not being selfish mm -hmm. it's just you know it's your own private property like they like you said like your own little corner your own little mm -hmm. piece of paradise and you just want to protect that uh for you and maybe you know family members or future generations and stuff man like i don't think there's anything wrong with that but you mm -hmm. know I, like i said I it, the spirit of being a good outdoorsman is you know pay it forward and inviting people and and things of that nature and and whatnot but man it, it's yeah. I guess it's moderation when it comes to it, you know, because I, you know, and it's funny you say that I call my farm, my property, my little piece of paradise all the time. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what it is. And you, you do get very protective over it. Now, I've had people hunt out here and it's not many, but I have had people. And, you know, most of the times I welcome people I know if you want to hunt. But, you know, at the same time, I probably wouldn't have just anybody and everybody at the same time. That's it's just it's just something about you wanting to preserve that. But, you know, yeah, you, it, you know, we we definitely have to pay it forward. And uh, but yeah, I had to just like you I. I, I have to go ahead and get my own piece because I, I I don't think I've ever public land hunted here in Georgia. And I don't know if I ever really intend to. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe now, dove hunting. Yeah. You know, but anything other than that, oh, I don't know about that. It, it's a, it, it's definitely a blessing. I haven't um, <laughs> had to, like, by need hunt public land. I've been out there like there are a couple of fishing uh public fishing areas and while i was out there i've actually seen some nice deer i've seen like the markings and trails that they have like marked off for hunter access and stuff like that um so it's kind of intriguing but at the end of the day man and we talked about this before um I'm a big proponent of land ownership, man, because it mm -hmm. is it's something that they don't make 
any more of. You know, there might be some that that opens up or somebody may sell it or or whatever, but it's not like you can run down to the store and get you like a half acre or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they don't they don't make any more of it and to have your own land and be able to pass it down to future generations, keep it in the family. I mean, I'm I'm big. You know, people talk about investing and all these different things all the time, but but for me, you know, land ownership is just a big deal. And then when you have your own land, being a good steward of the uh-huh. land that you have, man, that that just goes hand in hand with it. So I, I'm a big proponent of farmers or anybody who can have them or or should I say anyone who has the means to be able to have their own. Right. Right. Yeah, man, I I preach the same thing all the time. It's 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 very important. If you can do it, definitely something to consider. It's you know, like you said, they ain't they ain't making no more of it. Now you got down to fam and then came to Georgia. So did coming to Georgia was that just through your job like with the USDA, working with the USDA? Is that what brought you here? Pretty much. Pretty okay. much, yeah. Career. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then so you had you had an epiphany or or came to a crossroad, I should say, and it was like, mm-hmm. all right, I'm gonna settle here in Georgia. How did you like go about like the process of like you know finding the place where it was like okay you know what I'm going to farm like was there certain characteristics in the land that you was looking for a certain region of Georgia that you was looking for that was uh, better for one thing or another like what what was your process? So for one, I knew I wanted it's and I, it's funny God to give you exactly what you asked for sometimes <laughs> I, I said. <laughs> I said from the beginning, and this was years ago, I said, okay, I want at least 10 acres, ideally 15. Okay. And the truth about it is I thought, based on my budget, shoot, I thought I probably wound up with like at most maybe six or seven. Hey, God, and it's funny, um, I, 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 I narrowed down some properties I wanted something that was a mixture of open land and woods. Okay. Yeah. So I could hunt and I could also farm. I grow muscadine grapes. So I wanted enough, you know, open land where I could plant my vines, mm-hmm. get me a vineyard going, and then possibly some land to um, graze some animals at some point. And so it was funny. I came between this property, which at the time I thought it was um, like just under 13 acres. But when I got it surveyed, um, it was actually over 14 acres. So I got just about 15 acres. Um, And that extra acre and a half, when I found out it was an extra acre and a half, (laughs) man, I was jumping for joy. I said, man, I hit the jackpot. Right. Uh, you know, uh, that extra acre and a half, to me, that goes a long way. The other property, 
it slipped right between my hands. And to be honest, I probably like the house a little better than this house, mm-hmm. but the land was a lot less. It was about five acres. Okay. However, it had a whole full grown orchard already on it. Oh, wow. Apple trees, pear trees, plum trees, peach trees, muscadines, blackberry bushes, blueberry bushes, you name it, all over the place. So it really, even though it was only five acres, it was a good hunting spot still. Right, especially and with I all the natural also, vet, uh, natural vegetation and mm-hmm. fruits and stuff. Yeah, and I could have also made some money off of it right out the gate because I already had fruit bearing. Mm. And I could have, I mean, I could have just walked straight into my farm pretty much. But that didn't work out because um, I think what was it was 20 or 30 minutes before I viewed the house. Somebody had already viewed the house. And uh, he went ahead and wrote up a contract, and it, it wound up going through eventually. So I got this place. I, I, I really wanted more open land. I probably got maybe <clears throat> three acres of clear, you know, open land, maybe two and a half, three acres, uh, which I'm fine with now because I've made it. I've made it work for me. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, I knew what I really wanted. Um, but, you know, when you're working with a certain budget, you kind of have to narrow it down to what you can, you know, reasonably get, what you can reasonably afford. And so, uh, you know, I came across this. Um, it's a one-bedroom house, one-bedroom, one-bathroom. Oh, so wow. a good portion, probably at least 40% of what I paid probably was the land itself right the land right the land which value. i was fine with yeah i was it's got water on it prime hunting area so i was like yeah i'm gonna go with that wow and then <laughs> and for you obviously one bedroom one bath is just you so you don't have to <laughs> worry about wife and uh, wife and kids yeah. or anything like that although i will say if you're anything like me it's like when that time comes, you know, you're going to have to, she's going to have to be ready to make that move out in the country. So if, in your case, you're going to have to do some expansion. To get yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's, it's a perfect bachelor pad. It's being <laughs> a four-legged child. So it's, it's perfect for us right now. <laughs> That's it's not, perfect. Nothing wrong with that. Oh. Yep. Man. So... Now, recently, well, let me go back because, you know, like you said, you was looking for the six, like you figured six or seven acres. You basically was doubled. So that was a blessing. Yeah. Um, And then you even got like the bonus acre and a half. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, everything worked out like you, you, you basically, you doubled up like more than what you, what you were looking for. Mm Yeah. Yeah. Now, once you got that and you got everything going, what all do you have on your farm? Because like you said, you got muscadines. I looked on Instagram. I see <laughs> cows. I saw your dog. Um, I see watermelons, cantaloupes. <laughs> like what? Like is your farm, obviously your your farm is not like a, like a, a, a 
one specialty like a Angus farm or anything like that? Like, it is, is how is it class? Is it classified as a multi-purpose farm? Like, how what, what all do you got on there? And then is that what it basically is? Yeah, it's uh, I got it's it's I got different things going on here. Um, <laughs> I like how you say that. It's you like can... oh, I got all kind of stuff going on out here. <laughs> Man, and sometimes I got to keep my head on straight with it. Right now, um, yes, I got two cows, um, which I'm about to go to the processor pretty soon because I need to I need to get some money off of them. Uh, I got my muscadines. I've got like um, 20-something muscadine plants right now, and I'm still training those up. I think I'll get them to bear probably next year okay. or at least bear a decent crop next year got a small orchard uh probably around 14 ish fruit trees plum trees and peach trees got a small vegetable patch i did have like 30 something chickens at one time i saw that i saw you got rid of it. you sold the chickens <laughs> let's stop right there because that Uh that's something that i thought that i want when i finally settle out at my place because all i honestly i don't want to slaughter them like i've watched again i love my great aunt to death god rest her soul she had chickens I didn't see the entire process of chickens Mm -hmm. getting slaughtered, but I know the chicken that I played with at 8 o'clock in the morning was on the table at 4.30 for dinner. That much I know. (laughs) Um, But I wanted chickens for eggs, like just some laying hens. Mm -hmm. How much work is it? in going into chickens, man. Like I, I I've heard that it, it can be a little tedious, uh, a, a lot of work. I mean, obviously you got to keep the predators off of them, bobcats, foxes, coyotes, all that stuff. Like, did you sell the chickens for a profit or did you sell them because they were paid in ass? I sold them because I was putting more money into them that I could see I was going to get out of them. <laughs> <laughs> I had a vision. Right. And because of just things that came up, like feed expenses, sometimes it's easy to look at like a feed, say, conversion chart mm-hmm. and estimate before you get an animal how much you're probably going to pay and feed. It's another thing when you get that animal and you start paying that feed bill. Mm. And they start eating more and more and more as they get bigger. And so I was buying, you know, no telling how many sacks of feed for the chickens. I had 30-something at one time. And at first, to be honest with you, believe it or not, I actually at first, I forget how many I had, maybe around 20. I had, um, and I actually was raising them for meat. And then at some point last fall, I got my mind. I said, you know, I kind of, I really was liking having birds. Mm -hmm. And I said, uh, okay, what if I sell them as point of lay hens? And so, you know, so to people who want to start a backyard flock. Okay. For maybe, you know, depending on the breed of the bird, $25, $30 a bird. Mm -hmm. 
And the numbers seem okay. But then the feed costs start adding up. I'm like, okay, so just eating into any potential profit. Right. Then I actually did have a predator issue one time. And it was at the very end, right before I was about to probably sell all 30-something birds. I did lose a few birds to the weather. I think it was raining a lot last fall. Mm, I lost okay. some of them like that. But I also had, I think it was a coon that got in my my chicken tractor. And I had had no problems with that chicken tractor. I could move it anywhere I wanted it to. I had, I can't remember how many birds in there. And it probably killed like six birds mm. and didn't even eat them or anything. Just went just in there killed and killed them. I think he couldn't. He went in because it's a, the hoop that makes the chicken tractors made out of like a cattle panel or something. And, and I think in the chicken track, that's kind of like the, like the coop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have, I have two. I've got one that's like a steel cage. Mm-hmm. That I kept my younger birds in and then my older birds, I kept them on the grass in that chicken tractor. And I mean, it's still an amazing structure but it was one area on the roof of the tractor that I should have covered with like a, like a, what you call a hardware cloth okay. to make, to make it harder to go in there. And so whatever crawled in must've got in there was trying to drag one out, killed it, couldn't get it out and wound up killing a whole bunch more. Couldn't get none of them out. And so it left as I went out there one winter morning and I mean, it was just blood and feathers all over the place. Oh, and so at that point, I mean, you know, when I started doing the math, I was like, okay, that's kind of a, even though those are just six birds, that was kind of a loss. So eventually I got to talking to my coworker. She likes raising chickens, you know, for eggs for her family and to give away to some people she knows. Mm. So I just sold them to her. Um, at that time, I think I had either the one cow or two. I can't remember. But I said, okay, I want to focus my time and my money on raising these cows. Mm. And okay. so um, that's what I decided to do. I said, you know, I'll come back to birds. But at the time, I was like, ah, it's just, it's, it's, you know, I can say that however much I was paying to feed and feed it to my cow. So that's what I, that's when I jumped off. But they're, they're cool to have if you just want a few, you know, for your own eggs. I'd highly recommend it. That's what I was going to say. Like, I, I wanted just like maybe, maybe like one or two, maybe three at the most. Like, I don't want like yeah. a whole bunch. And, you know, like I said, just laying hens, you know, go out there. You know, however often I need to go out there and get me some eggs and and, and just kind of mm-hmm. call it, you know, call it a day or whatever. But you bring up an interesting point. You were saying the feed was, you know, kind of priced you out of any kind of profit. Seemed mm-hmm. like to me, with cows, that would be the case, right? Because they, I mean, they aren't exactly light eaters. Yeah, you're right about right? that. I, <laughs> but, I, I just put out a 50-pound sack of feed just a couple hours ago, and I guarantee you it's probably about half gone. And I got two cows, uh, but one of them is a bull. Oh, man. Um, 
and yeah, he probably hogs down at least 60 to 70% of that and 50 pounds is gone in a day. Um, but yeah. And to be honest with you, I've watched my profit margin with that. And that's one of the reasons why I'm about to sell them soon because <laughs> the, the more the time goes on, the more, the, you know, you eat into that profit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I will say, you know, for just starting off in the cattle business, even though I'm probably not going to make much of a profit. Now, mind you, I'm selling them for beef. Like I'm actually processing them and actually selling the beef. Okay. Okay. Which, you know, it's, it's, it's better for me than like, if I was like, you know, other folks who selling calves or, you know, selling them live. Right. So I think, you know, they do take a lot of feed. However, if you got plenty of pasture fenced in, you don't, you don't really have that problem. Because they just you know, sit there and they just graze. That's right. Depending gotcha. on the quality of your pasture. Mm-hmm. Um, even like I intend on eventually um, fencing in some of my woods. And that way I don't I just don't have to pay nearly as much in feed. And then just the amount of time that um, I keep them. You know, no more than, I mean, I've had these for probably about seven to eight months, but like in the future, I probably have a cow here no more than four or five months. Get it when it's already weaned, Mm -hmm. already, you know, anywhere from 300 to four or 500 pounds, put a little bit more weight on it, go ahead and take it to the processor. And, and figure out how much you want to make on it based on how much you're going to charge per pound. So, and that's another thing, you know, I didn't think I was going to really get into livestock until maybe three, four, five years here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But one day I was just doing some research on cattle and raising calves. And I said, you know, it'd be cool to get me one of these cheap bottle calves. <laughs> <laughs> and bottle feed it and, and, and just raise it up and maybe sell it as a bill calf. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I got my bull calf for $60. Wow. And got like a $90 uh, bag of uh, milk formula. And even though it was a cool experience, I can't necessarily recommend it because, I mean, I was sitting up in the shed with the calf in the wintertime. Oof. Mixing mixing formula Oof. with warm water. Trying to <laughs> bottle feed it. Trying to nurse it back to Ooh. life in the middle of the dark. Man. I said, no. I, 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 I ain't doing that no more. <laughs> I was about to say, uh, I don't know if I'd be if I'd be built for that, man. Golly. No, they gotta be already weaned. <laughs> what um what about goats? Like even when I, when I go down on uh, by my place, I see a quite a few people that have mm-hmm. goats down um, down in Warren County. What what uh, is that something you ever looked at? Is there any benefit uh, to that? You know, probably very shortly before I bought my first uh, calf, I was just about to hit the button and buy me some goats 
and some some lambs. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a buddy of mine actually down in Florida, um, and he raises cattle, goats, and sheep. Um, I was about to buy a few from him. I was going to get started, but I began looking at the numbers on that, and I was like, you know, because I wanted to raise them for meat and sell, you know, sell the meat. Yeah, and I was just thinking you know reasonably how much i could make per pound and then i was thinking about the carcass weight Mm. and i just began figuring out i was like you know what i'm even as much as i love goats and sheep i was just like you know i just don't the profit margins are real slim and it's like you gotta have you gotta have quantity you gotta have a good number of you know, goats and, and sheep to move, you know, whenever it is you, you know, you plan on processing them and selling them, you got to have a good number of them that I feel, you know, it's just me to really make a good profit out of them. Right. But they're really good for, you know, maintaining brush. If you got, you know, a lot of overgrowth in some areas, mm-hmm. if you can fence them in, but that's another thing, keeping them in, you better have you a strong fence. It better either be high enough or, you know, you might want to run a few, you know, strands of hot wire. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, they yeah, will yeah. get out. Yeah. <laughs> they and then will when, get out. And then once they once um, they get out, you, them predators, they'll be all over them. Sure do. Yeah, man. They, they, love, they love them a good old uh, kid goat dinner. Man. They they will be all over. But again, you know, if you ever want to clear some brush out, um, I mean, I think they're a great option. They also, you know, health wise, they get a lot of worms. Ooh. A lot of stuff can kill them. Like, you know, they might get bloated and they might just die. Oh wow! Or sometimes they just be dead. You don't know why exactly they die, but typically it's either they got bloated or. They uh, had some worms, so you always have to worm them unless you have enough pasture that you can rotate them so that they don't get, you know, that pasture doesn't get too short and they get too close to the ground and they start picking up parasites. If you can rotate them in paddocks, you know, size depending on however many you have, you know, you can you can cut down on that like that. And that's Let's see what I mean. I think they're pretty cool to have around. That's something I would have never thought about. I didn't even think about like all the the liabilities and, and and stuff that that go along with that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's, sheep might be a little better. I think sheep sheep are a little easier to maintain, especially when it comes to parasites and uh, you know they will hop a fence, but not nearly as much as a goat will. Um, so sheep are one to, to look at too. And sometimes, you know, even though sheep, most sheep breeds are primarily grazers, you will find some that are browsers. Mm-hmm. So they will clear some of that overgrowth, some of that brush, if you're trying to clear out some areas. So you, there are a few breeds that will do that. Now, a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. you established the... Strickland Pride Produce, where yes, basically sir. you went 
old school, set up a, 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 a fruit and vegetable stand. What? First of all, congratulations on doing that because I Thank saw I, I saw the post and, and it looked like it was very successful and it was something that you put a lot of planning and you know a, a lot of time to get to to come together. What what made you want to go that route? And what was the inspiration behind that? Because that's that's kind of an old school way to kind of do it. Mm-hmm. Well. I, uh, it's something I've always kind of played with the idea of, and maybe three or four years ago, I kind of, I think I re-fell in love with going to country stores, uh, produce stands, um, you know, places where you can get fresh fruit and vegetables, mm-hmm. uh, fresh uh, fruit and vegetable products like jellies and jams, uh, honeys, food, you know, those types of places. And growing up when I was a kid, riding around my grandparents, um, that was just something that we liked to do. We we take a whole day and go somewhere. Like we go up to southern Wisconsin. My grandpa, he liked the... Uh, he liked that aged cheese. We go up to Kenosha. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, go, we go up to Kenosha. Yep. We go get, he buy like $100 worth of cheese, and that was our outing for the day. Wow. We go somewhere down to Indiana, buy some pecans. We go up to Michigan where we had our house, buy some apples, cherries, cherry cider, peaches, those types of things. And so I just loved doing that as a kid. And so I always had an appreciation for, you know, your old-fashioned produce stand. I, I knew a black guy up in Illinois who had his own, older man probably in his 80s, wow. had his own produce stand. So it's something I always kind of kept in my mind. And I knew I always wanted to have like a solid agribusiness that was connected to my farm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but also, you know, did something a little bit different and so a few years ago it just crossed my mind i was like you know i really want a like a country store like a a produce stand in a country market um so i just began writing notes down i've been writing notes down about it for probably the last three or four years Um, all kinds of documents with all just kind of random thoughts that came through my head of the type of products I could sell, uh, type of venues I could do. So after much planning, um, I just finally decided to dig into it and uh, went ahead and um, got with the uh, city council of Bowman, Georgia, um, because I was really originally, well, I'll tell you, I was going to start either have my stand here in Carleton with which is where I live, Madison County, mm-hmm. or I was going to go up the road to Elberton, which is in Elbert County. Mm-hmm. And then I ran across somebody who was like, you know, you need to check out Bowman. It's a little town, but there's a lot of traffic that passes through there between some of the neighboring northeastern Georgia towns. Like you might be familiar with Hartwell. Yeah, Lake Hartwell Royce. and all Yeah. Yeah, they're all just a hop, skip, and a jump, all in the same area. So I looked at the area, 
talked to the city council. Um, they offered me a spot at their community center where I could set up. And shoot, I've been doing it. This this will be my fourth weekend doing it. Um, been basically, it's primarily produce that I um, purchase, like a wholesale uh, okay. down in South Georgia. Uh, melons, cantaloupes, I get peaches. I've had plenty of tomatoes. I've had some corn. So I either buy it from like a, a wholesale market mm-hmm. or I'll get it directly from like a farmer who's selling at the market. And um, I purchase it, you know, bring it up here, sell it. Um, as my crops start coming in, my vegetables, I plan on selling some of those at the stand. Plan on selling some beef at the stand as well. Got a friend in Athens who owns a honey and bee product store oh, in downtown wow. Athens. And so uh been talking to him and I'll probably end up getting some of his products to sell at my stand. Um and I just intend on expanding from here. My my vision is to have a a a, a produce store you know, with uh, locally locally grown products, you know, uh, produce grown in Georgia, maybe Florida, and maybe South Carolina as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I know some farmers and getting connected with even more fruit and vegetable farmers, you know, who produce, you know, quality stuff. So that's my vision is to have a full round-the-clock produce market so that's that's where i'm heading right now you know like i said uh i still have my daytime nine to five um but i'll tell you you know it pays the bills and you know having a career is great Mm -hmm. it's great career wise it's great for paying your bills right um and technically you know, I'm using my degree. However, uh, one thing I also learned in all of, you know, my epiphany when it came to land ownership and when I eventually got my land and eventually just really thought about, okay, wow, here you are. You're on your own land. This is what you wanted. This is what you wanted all those years. And you thought it was going to come later. But it came way sooner than later. And now here you are. I mean, within a few months after buying my property, it took a while before I, it really dawned on me. <laughs> right. Before it like, actually hit you. Yeah. Yep. I'm like, this is yours. It's nobody else's. Nobody's coming to take it away either. Yep. It is all yours. You got you've got a piece of land that nobody is touching right now. Even if you don't do anything with it, nobody else is doing anything with it either. Right. It's still yours. It's still mine. And I just have to really step into that. And then I have to really remember what it was I originally always set out to do. And that was the farm. And that was to have my own damn agribusiness. <laughs> <laughs> and not work for somebody else's. Right. Right. And, I, and the thing is, you know, and I think in this 
day and age more than any other time, I think we as a people have to realize we've always, no matter what little we've had, we've always had everything we've needed right in front of us to do our own damn thing. When it comes to owning land, when it comes to owning a business, when it comes to self-employment, when it comes to just using your own creativity to build your wealth. And, you know, I, I realize, you know, I've worked with USDA for quite a while now, and I ain't, I'm not going to put them down or anything because, I, you know, I firmly believe in the organization. Mm-hmm. And um, I have love for it. I have love for our mission. And um, that goes for every other, you know, whether it be governmental agency, whether it be a private-owned company. But I wanted my own damn thing. That's what I originally set out to do. So I said, well, that's what I'm going to do. And that's what I decided to do. And, uh, you know, again, I have a lot in my vision for this business, for, for the produce stand, and for the farm. It's, it's truly my passion. I, I truly enjoy just being out there, connecting with the people, providing a valuable good and service to the community, um, and just being so much in touch, like literally in touch, touching uh, food and agriculture. That's that's gen- genuinely my passion. Um, so, man, it's been a blessing. And like I said, I got a lot in my vision for the business but um, it, it took a lot of planning. But again, it's what I asked for from God. And now he gave it to me. And now I'm just trying to hit the ground running with it. Right. And make the make the most out of it. I can tell, like I said, just by looking at the different things that you, you got going on. Man, like you said, it, it's your passion. Once you you know, set out and, you know, like you said, you, you made your plans and whatnot. And now that you set out and you got, you know, you got the stand, you got your farms, like everything is slowly and surely coming together. You just continue to work at it, man. And you're going to have everything that you want and be in the position that you want to be in. Cause it, it's definitely falling into place. Yeah. You're right. So, yes, sir, I, I, I can't, I can't express, you know, my level of happiness enough, you know, just to see you out doing your thing. And that's why when I came across, you know, like your profile and just checking out your farm and whatnot, I was like, man, I got to get this dude on. I I need to talk to him and just find out, you know, more about him and and how he got this farm thing going. And like I said, if it wasn't for COVID, we could have did this face-to-face, but at the bare minimum, I'm going to make my way up to a – up to Bowman and uh, pick up a couple of some fruits and vegetables, get one of them big old watermelons I see on the pictures yeah. uh, every other weekend, man. So I, I you know, yeah, I'm definitely going to get up there and, and, you know, try to pick up some stuff from you. Man, let, let people know before I get you out of here, let people know 
where they can find you on Instagram, where they can find the farm, where they can find the stand, man. Let let people know where you at out here. So uh, you can find me on Instagram at Kenny underscore from the block. You can find me on Facebook, Kendall R. Strickland. I will have a, um, I'll have some Facebook and um, Instagram pages for my farm and my produce stand um, separately um, coming very soon. Um, the name of my farm is Strickland Heritage Farms. The name of my produce stand is Strickland Pride Produce. My farm is in Carlton, uh, Madison County, Georgia. And my stand is in Bowman, Georgia, and Elbert County. Um, and soon I will also be operating here in Carlton. Wow. Um, so follow me on Instagram. Um, I will let you know when my pages are ready. I could have had them ready by now, but like I said, when I do something, I try to do it all the way. So I'm trying to plan out everything I can ahead of time. As far as, you know, what I want, what content I want to put out there, how frequently I want to post, making sure that I start consistently um, before I actually launch the pages. So, um, but those will be coming very, very soon. Um, And again, you know, if you want to hit me up, if you want to, you know, any questions about anything agriculture related, any requests for any particular type of, you know, fruit or vegetable, please hit me up and let me know. Um, and uh, I'll be glad to try to uh, satisfy that request. Man, um, that sounds good to me, brother. I, Like I said, I appreciate it. I appreciate you you coming by and sharing yeah. your story with me, man. And uh, like I said, I'll be up there uh, before too long to go and uh, pick up some stuff for myself firsthand. Sounds good, man. Let me know whatever you need, and I'll have it right there for you. Awesome. I, I appreciate the opportunity here. I appreciate you reaching out to me. You know, you do really good work. Um, I think it's great for our people to see us, you know, out here, you know, loving, truly appreciating the outdoors, getting back to our roots with it. You know, really just really just taking full advantage of what we have right in front of us, um, especially during times like this, where, I mean, probably one of the few safe things to do right now is to be hunting or fishing yes. compared to anything else. Yes, you know? definitely. So you please, man, keep it up. I, I love seeing it. I look forward to seeing more of your work. I, I truly appreciate the opportunity. Oh, man. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Okay, we'll, uh, we'll definitely link up soon, and I'll be talking to you. All right, Mr. Bryant. You take care. I appreciate you, man. All right, now. All righty. Bryantland. Once again, I'd like to thank Kendall Strickland for coming through on the Bryantland show Really enjoy talking to Kendall, talking about land ownership, farming, and the like. I mean, we, again, I can't stress enough. Uh, if you have the opportunity or the means to uh, pursue land ownership, I'm a big proponent of it. And it was good to talk to someone, you know, of that mindset. And, you know, um, with Kenny's farm stand, 
selling all the great fruits and uh, fresh fruits and vegetables. I'm definitely going to make a trip up there to go check him out and maybe cop some nice uh, fruits and vegetables for myself. Before I get ready to get up on out of here, guys, I just want to remind y'all the website, bryantlandcountry.com. Man, we got everything on the website. We got the past podcasts. We got videos. We got merchandise. Everything that you need. Patreon for bonus content. Go to our website, bryantlandcountry.com. Has everything Bryantland for you. Once again, want to thank you all for supporting the podcast, making the download. Make sure you guys continue to tell five people to tell five more people about our podcast. We're doing great things here on the show. We got some more guests lined up for the rest of July. Great shows coming up, coming up, coming down the pipe right here for the rest of the month of July. And before you know it, it'll be August and deer season will be getting started. I know I can't wait. I'm sure you can't too. In the meantime, you guys take care of yourselves and make sure you come back here next week for another episode of The Bryant Land Show.